One of my favorite things about going through the story is the, the worship songs that we've gone through and found that have to do with, with each week as we talk about what God is doing in the upper story and the lower story. And um, I, I get excited. Mondays, we set aside about two to three hours where we really just take time and, and go through all these different songs, all these different things. So if you're not doing anything on a Monday, pray for us because we're able to do something like this. And I always say it sounds good in a little room, but then when you come out here and I'm on the front row and, and I just hear it, it just, man, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to just go right now. And, but I got some other things to say first. So with that, I got to tell you a story about a little six-year-old girl. She was having a rough day. Her name was Jenny. And uh, just everything that happened in Jenny's day was bad. Argued with a teacher in, in kindergarten. She got home arguing back and forth with her mother. And finally, out of exasperation, her mother just said, Jenny, I want you to sit in the corner right now and don't get up until I tell you to. Now, if you're a parent, you've said that at some point. And if you're not a parent yet, but will be soon, you will also say that at some point. Little Jenny went over and sat down in the corner. A few minutes later, she got to thinking and she yelled out to her mom, Mom, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Is that okay? That's what little Jenny said. Here's the thing. Every one of us has those I'm standing up on the inside moments, that, that part of us where sometimes we, we, we want at some point in our lives to just buck authority, to resist the rules. I think that's why we have trouble really grasping things like laws and speed limits and stop signs or more just an observation sometimes if nobody's around. And the Ten Commandments even. You know, here's a time in the story where, where God gives a new command and a new covenant to his people. And, and sometimes I think we view judge as this, or we, we view God as this judge, as this cosmic killjoy who just, you know, stop it, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And, you know, we think of the Ten Commandments, and I think most people probably still think of Charlton Heston back in the day, the black and white TV, and he's, he's throwing the Ten Commandments tablet down and breaking it at the idol. I see people nodding, so I know I'm not the only one that saw that. Uh, for some of you who don't know, Dylan, colored TV hasn't been around forever. Uh, just so you know, it was black and white. I, saw, I thought Smurfs were gray for the longest time. Uh, they're blue. Uh, but that's how we think about God, just this judgment and this throwing down wrath sometimes. And, and it's not fair. So today, as we go deeper into God's story, my prayer is that we will begin to see the Ten Commandments in an entirely new way with a, maybe a fresh perspective. Go ahead and uh, turn to chapter 5 in your story Bible. That's on page 59. Um, and uh, let's see here. I've got it marked somewhere. There it is. And we're going to start right off. If you don't have your story Bible, we're in Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out for Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession." Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Um, and so, 
So God, at this moment, first off, he, he reveals himself to Moses at the burning bush as, as I am. And, and he reveals himself to Egypt and to Israel with the, this mighty power. And he, he brought this new nation out of Egyptian slavery into freedom. And right here, he's telling them how simple it is to be his treasured possession, to be his people. He says simply, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, he's sharing with them the simplicity of his plan to be with us. God wants to be with his people. The big idea of the whole story is God's declaration. I want to come down and dwell with you. And our God continues to say, in effect, for me to live with you, there are three things that need to be worked out. And we're going to talk about those today, all three of them. Will you pray with me? Father God, I I just thank you again that we have your word, uh, that we have your example, that we have um, opportunities that we can take freely to learn more about your word, to not just learn your story, but to go and live it and share it with other people. And as we talk about the Ten Commandments, as we talk about the things that you set up for your people Israel, I pray that we'll be able to apply it to our lives. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So the three things that we need to work out or that must be worked out for God to live among us are are real simple. I'm going to name them out right here and then we're going to break them down. First off, God wants a community of love that reflects the relationship of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God wants that community of love that reflects the relationship of of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Second, God wants a place to dwell among us. And third, God requires that sin be atoned for. He gives us some guidelines for how we should treat Him and how we should treat others. And those we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. That's also, that's page 61, about halfway down in your story Bible. Here we go. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. Excuse me. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. God wants a community of love that reflects the relationships of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want a community of covetousness. He doesn't want a community of slander, a community of lies, a community of dishonor. He wants a community of love. If you're wondering what that looks like at its core... It's unity. You know, Genesis 1.26, the first part of that verse says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. 
And John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Do you hear those key words in those passages? Our image, our likeness. And John's saying the Word was with God, the Word was God. I think it's pretty awesome that Genesis starts out with an example of unity, and then one of the last things that Jesus prays about is that we would have unity. So how do we do that? How do we make ourselves available for a community of love and unity that God desires for us? Well, when we look at the Ten Commandments, they actually kind of shape up an outline for this community of love. You're going, what? I thought the Ten Commandments were to judge and the law. And they are. But we can also glean from them a way, um, if you will, that that guides us in how we should treat God. And that's we're going to look at that in the first four. Okay? So we're going to look at how we should treat God. This is kind of like our, our vertical relationship. We talk about the upper story and the lower story. These first four commandments are kind of our vertical relationship. It's how we should treat God. First off, you shall have no other gods before me. Then you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in waters below. You should not misuse the name of the Lord. And then remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And then when you look at commandments 5 through 10... They show us how we should treat other people. This, this is kind of our, our horizontal relationship. This is our lower story. Verses five, or, uh, excuse me, Commandments 5 through 10 are how we should treat each other. You could almost say the Ten Commandments themselves have a natural border, like I said, for this upper and lower story. First off, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. That's the first command with a promise, by the way. Honor your mother and father so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbors. I just finished that off with anything. We shouldn't cover our neighbors anything. It's a pretty exclusive list. The problem is this. We get in the way. Far too often, we act more like little Jenny on the outside. It may seem that we've got it all together, but on the inside, we're doing one of those And if you're a teenager, you've probably been there. Oh, mom and dad, I'll be home at 11, but I'm going to make sure all my friends know what idiots you are for caring so much about me and give me a curfew. It's ridiculous. Or maybe this is you. You congratulate people for their accomplishments at work or their new boat or their new car or whatever it is on the outside. You're like, yeah, way to go, you. Good job, you. And on the inside, you're thinking like, what do they do to deserve that? I work twice as hard as they do. And because of things like that, we get impatient. We even get somewhat resistant to God's commandments. I mean, hey, while Moses was up getting the Ten Commandments, Aaron learns the first rule of leadership the hard way. Uh, That rule, by the way, is that the monkeys don't get to run the zoo. That's the rule. First rule of leadership. Aaron builds a golden calf and the people worship it. Look, turn in your story Bibles to page 64. This story, some of it cracks me up, but it shouldn't because it's kind of sad. Uh, bear with me. It's Exodus chapter 32. We're going to start in verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, they say it like they don't even know him anymore. As for this fellow Moses uh, who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. Aaron answered him, answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. After they sat down to eat, 
and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Right out of the gate, Moses isn't even back off the mountain yet. And before they even receive the Ten Commandments, they've blown the first two right out of the water. Wow. What's wrong with them? I mean, yeah, Moses was gone for a little while. He'd, he'd been a few days on the mountain before God, but, but what are they thinking? How can they forget so quickly what God did to Pharaoh? Aaron, build us something to worship. Are you kidding? And then it was a cow, for, of all things, a cow. I'm like, what? That's what Pharaoh worshipped. That was their, their deity. They, they had him around, they, and God wiped him out with, with disease. What, is, what are they thinking? Then I guess I could say the same thing to us. What's, what's wrong with us? What are we thinking? We don't only have the Ten Commandments. We've got God's Word fully divulged to us. The whole thing start to finish. And we do the same stuff. Here's the thing. God will not be with rebellious people. That's one thing He won't be. He won't make you love Him. He'll turn you out to yourself if that's what you want. He will not be with the rebellious people. Moses even intercedes at a point so that God won't wipe out the rebellious people. Um, But if you look down in in the story Bible at page 65, about halfway down, it's Exodus 32. I like what Moses does here. Uh, And and it kind of shows me that he has come a long way from timid shepherd in front of the burning bush to leader of the Israelite nation right here. He says... um, When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf the people had made, and he burned it in the fire. Then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. Does not sound the act of a timid, stuttering man who said, Who should I? But somebody who has truly spent time with God. And knows what's happening. He, he puts it to him. And he says to Aaron, What did these people do to you that you led them into such a great sin? Do not be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. <laughs> you kidding me? It's like Adam and Eve all over again. Lord, the woman you gave me made me eat this. <laughs> Aaron, you know how prone these people are to evil? What? They said to me, Make us gods who will go before us as for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt. We don't know what has happened to him. At this point, he's telling the truth. They said that. Verse 24, So I told them, Whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold. I threw it into the fire. Again, so far we're telling the truth. Aaron, good job. And then he says, And out came this calf. Yeah. Oops. Aaron, you can no longer just blame (laughs) these people who were evil because <laughs> you just you bought into it buddy moses saw that the people were running wild and that aaron had let them get out of control and so becoming a laughing stock to their enemies so he stood at the entrance of the camp and he said whoever is for the lord come to me and all the levites rallied to him folks i got to tell you god does not dwell in idols made of gold He does not dwell in our good works that look like pompous service. He desires a place to dwell among us. And today, that place is us. In the time of the Exodus, it was a tabernacle. And God gave specific directions for making the tabernacle. Exodus 25, verses 8 through 9 says this. 
Then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. God would dwell in the most holy place in the tabernacle. And no one could see God's face. Only the high priest could enter the most holy place once a year on behalf of the people. Now the tabernacle, it was a portable tent, basically. And God would guide his people with a moving cloud during the day and a column of fire by night as he led them through the wilderness. And he remained with his nation as they traveled around the desert. Why would he come down and allow himself to be contained in such a way in a, in a tabernacle, in a holy of holies? Because our God wants a community with us. He wants a community of love that reflects the relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He wants a place to dwell among us. But why did he allow his presence to be in the tabernacle and not just out and about and among the people? Because his presence is too much for us. We're sinful people. Even righteous people who went before the Lord, as you read about it in the story, different righteous people who went before the Lord bowed down and covered their faces or they hid from his presence because they knew they had no business being there. Moses even, after God passed by him and he was in the cleft of a rock and God put his hand over Moses, he's in the presence of the Lord. He shined so brightly that he veiled his face. And as hard as we try, we are still just less than average And because of our sin, because we like to act like little Jenny, sitting down on the outside but defiantly standing up on the inside, God requires that sin be atoned for. He requires that our sins be covered by the shedding of blood. Sin is the main thing that keeps us separated from God. And each and every one of us sins. Sin has to be dealt with. That's what the law says. That's what the Ten Commandments say. Sin has to be dealt with. It must be atoned for. But the sacrificing of animals then becomes institutionalized. It's what the priest did. It was a sacrificial system so that sin could be constantly atoned for, constantly covered. This new nation needed their sins to be covered so that God could dwell with them in the tabernacle. And the rebellion of the golden calf and the intercession of Moses and the gracious forgiveness of God made it all possible, made it possible for God to come and be among his people. Turn to your story Bible to page 67. <clears throat> it's Exodus chapter 33, verses 14 through 16. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. You see, if you look at the bottom of page 69, it summarizes a lot of this. Moses had experienced God's awesome presence and it showed. And now God would come down and reside among the people. In the tabernacle, this holy tent provided space for the rituals of sacrifice, the cleansing from sin that God required. And the best Hebrew artisans used their skills in woodworking and metalworking and weaving and embroidering to craft the materials for the tabernacle, including the lampstand and the table for sacred bread and the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark was, was gold, and for transport, the specifications, um, or it had acacia poles for, for wood, and, and the, the transporting it, and the specifications for all these materials were detailed. And the results must have been a beautiful place indeed. 
Yet the most awesome and important feature of this portable temple was not the furniture or the, the coverings or the lampstand or the ark, but it was the person who filled it. It was our God dwelling amongst His people from the very beginning. As we come to our response time today, I just want to make sure that you understand this. God wants to be with us, but we're like little Jenny. We're rebellious, and if we're honest, we deserve a lot more time in the corner than we actually get because of our rebelliousness. But God made a way so He could still be with us. He moved out of the tabernacle, and through His Son, and because of Jesus, our atonement no longer comes from the blood of bulls or goats. Jesus is our great high priest. His blood, once and for all, atones and covers for all of our sin. With the blood of Jesus on the doorframe of your life, you are forgiven, and you are given direct access into the most holy place. You see, when when we follow the instruction from Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we become the place where God dwells. We're the new tabernacle, the church. This building, this is not where God dwells. I want to make that clear. This is not where God dwells. As a matter of fact, the church is not even this building. The church is you. The church is me. The church is us. And we are the place where God resides. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17 reminds us of this. It says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Brothers and sisters, God wants to be with us. He desires for us to have the same unity that he has with the Holy Spirit and with his Son. And we also need to remember, and we need to live by our commandments. Jesus summed up the Ten Commandments when he shared with us the Great Commandment. This is the guideline Jesus gives us, and and he even models it for us with his own life. It's in Matthew 22, verses 38 through 40. And he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And he says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus takes the Ten Commandments. He takes all the extra rules that were instituted on the Ten Commandments so that nobody would break the Ten Commandments. And he summarizes them in four words, basically, when he says, love God, love others. And John 13, 35 says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you're ready to partner with us here at Huntsville Christian Church and be the love and be the hands and feet of Jesus alongside the rest of us in this community. And maybe you just needed to be reminded today that our God loves us and truly does desire a relationship with us. Whatever your response is today, will you stand and sing with us and show God that you're ready to love Him and love others?